Father, we love you. God, I am so incredibly grateful for your presence in this place tonight. God, I'm so grateful for your word, which is life to us and which changes our lives, God. And Father, as we open your word tonight, God, I just pray that you would speak to each and every one of us by your spirit what we need to hear tonight, God. Give us ears to hear, open arts, hearts to receive, God, exactly what you want to say to us, Father, that we would be Come more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, since Proverbs is the book of wisdom, in this series we are gleaning a lot of wisdom from the book of Proverbs, but also from other places in the Bible. But you know, in Proverbs, Solomon gives a very high priority to a particular subject that is so important, a subject that he spends a good part of four chapters talking about. And we are going to talk about that subject tonight. You want to know what it is? Sex. More specifically, sexual purity. <laughs> so, moms, if you have your young daughters here with you tonight, you can take a deep breath. <laughs> you can relax. It is okay. <laughs> you don't need to be nervous. In fact, I am so glad that we are talking about this topic on a Monday night when our youth girls are here with us. And moms, they are probably hearing a whole lot more at school than you have any idea. But we are not here tonight to talk about all the things they might be hearing at school, okay? <laughs> We're not here to discuss that, but we are here to discuss what God's Word says. And our students need to know what God's Word says for this area of their lives. But not just them, moms, you need to know. Grandmas, you need to know. Whether you are single, whether you've been married for 50 plus years, whatever stage of life you are in, we need to have a good understanding of what God's word says on this topic. And we all have other women in our worlds that not only do we need to be able to apply God's wisdom to our lives, but we need to know what his word says so we can share it with other women in our world, right? Right. Right? That's more like it. <laughs> all right. And let me just say, if you are here and you're starting to get a little nervous because maybe you've made some mistakes in your past, please, please know that in this place, there is no condemnation. We are not here to beat anyone up over past mistakes. We are here to grow in God's wisdom so that we together can walk forward into all that God has for each and every one of us, okay? That's what we're here for. All right. 
And for those of you who are using your WisdomWorks notebooks, you see that our title for tonight is actually Working Wisdom into Our Sexuality and Our Marriages. Now, we realize that in a gathering like this, not everyone is married. And so tonight, we especially want to talk about our sexuality as women, our sexual purity, when we bring wisdom into that part of our life, it has a huge effect on our lives, whether we are married or single, wherever we're at in life. And so no matter what stage of life you're at, this will impact your life if we apply God's wisdom, okay? So just to lay a bit of a foundation before we get too far into it, just a few things we all need to understand, okay? First thing, and I encourage you to take notes tonight because these are things that as women, we really need to get a handle on and know what God's word says, okay? So first thing as we lay this foundation is we need to understand that our sexuality was designed by God. Therefore, our sexual purity is of utmost importance to him. Our sexuality is not something to be ashamed of or embarrassed of, but it's also not something to flaunt, but rather something precious to guard and protect, okay? Our sexuality was designed by God. Secondly, we need to understand that we're made in the image and likeness of God. Now think about this with me. God desires us. He desires and longs to be with us. He craves intimacy in relationship with us. So of course, we are going to want that We are going to want intimacy not only with God, but with another person. But when our desire for another person becomes bigger than our desire for God, that's when we get off balance. And that's when we can head into danger zones if we're not careful. Okay? All right, third thing we need to understand is that our very existence on this earth was formed as a result of a sexual act. Right? Did you ever stop to think about that? (laughs) Yes? Right? Okay. And what we do with our sexuality while we're on this earth will continue to form and shape our life and our future. Think about how a woman handles her sexuality. It shapes her life. It forms her future. Okay? We've got to be aware of that. It's powerful. And then fourthly, the enemy would love to destroy our futures. We all know that. He would love to bring pain into our lives and get us off track from the purpose for which God created us. But this area of our sexuality is an area where we can become especially vulnerable. 
So that means we've got to be women who are really proactive and put forth effort to guard and protect this area of our lives. Right? All right. Sometimes that's harder to do than others because we all love a good fairy tale, right? I mean, we've all seen the fairy tales from the time we were toddlers. I mean, we grew up hearing about Cinderella, right? Do you love a good happily ever after fairy tale? Yes. You like a good romantic movie? Yes. You have a romantic movie that plays in your mind what you wish your husband would do for you or someone would do for you someday. We've all wanted to be that one that is standing in the beautiful gown while the knight in shining armor comes riding in on his white horse and swoops us up, right? <laughs> it's okay, you can admit it. We've all wanted the love story. But you know, in Proverbs chapter 7, we see a story of a young man and a young woman. And it is what I'm sure they would have felt like was a love story in the beginning. But I want us to look at that story and see how it unfolds. And we're not going to take the time to read the entire story. So let me just give you the nutshell version, okay? Here is this young guy walking down the dark street towards the house where he knows this beautiful gal lives and he's strolling along and oh she comes out in the darkness and she meets him there and she's dressed very provocatively she wraps her arms around him and she kisses him and this is an interesting thing she tells him but she tells him that her offerings and her vows have been paid and now she's come to find him She's, what that means is that her religious obligations have been fulfilled. She's, I, I'm a good girl. I, I've done the things I need to do. And she goes on with words of flattery, telling him how amazing he is. He's the only one she wants, and now we can be together. You're the only one. And she tells him all sorts of flattering and enticing things, making promises of what sound like love and romance. But as you read on, it shows us that this scenario, that is an all-too-common scenario, is a trap that leads to death. Now, in that day the consequences would have been stoning. So literally led to death, okay? But that is not exactly the case today. However, in Proverbs chapter 6, it says that sex outside of marriage brings destruction to our souls. It tears us apart and brings inner turmoil. And you know, 
I think very often we can read this story in Proverbs 7 and we just easily dismiss it and we rush right past it because we see it as the story of the wicked, immoral harlot. And we say, well, I'm not her. I would never be like her. And we just rush right past it. But I want us tonight to take a little more time to dissect this story and just see that maybe it might be a little bit more relatable to us than what we think. Okay? Can we do that together? All right. First of all, it talks about this woman and refers to her as a harlot. Do you know what a harlot is? It, by definition, in this context, in the original writings, it's simply a woman who commits adultery or fornication. Now, just so we're all clear and all on the same page, okay, fornication is sex by people who are not married, with people who are not married, okay? Adultery is sex with married people, but with people who are not their spouse. I didn't say that the best, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> Did you catch that? Did I confuse you more? No, you're with me. We all know this, right? Okay, so just to make sure we're all clear on what this is, okay? So it's simply talking about a woman who has sex with someone that she's not married to, whether she's married or not married, right? Yeah, you know what I mean, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Either she's married and she's having sex with someone other than who she's married to, or she's not married and she's still having sex with someone that she's not married to. Okay, why is that so confusing? All right. <laughs> That's who it's referring to, okay? Sometimes we can get all caught up, oh, but she's really bad. She's someone that lives like much of our world around us today lives, okay? And then I think it is so interesting that it says that she's fulfilled her religious obligations. Hmm. How often are there Christian women who, I'm a Christian, but yet don't have any problem having sex with someone they're not married to? Hmm. If we're followers of Jesus... Our entire lifestyle should follow Jesus, right? Another thing I want us to notice about this story is that they were alone in the dark. A relationship that is hidden will never be a healthy relationship. If we are hiding a relationship or certain aspects of a relationship, it's for a reason. Because we know it's wrong. We don't want people to know. Let me tell you, we never have to hide something that is healthy and pure. Okay? All right. Now I want us to look at this young gal. And I want us to notice a few things about her. First of all, let's notice how she was dressed. It says that she was dressed very provocatively. She was showing a little more than she needed to show. She was dressing to get a man's attention. 
Has anyone noticed that fashion seems to get a little more and more and more provocative all the time? Can I tell you that just because it's in fashion doesn't mean you need to wear it? I know I'm bursting someone's bubble right now. You know, most often it's not the wholesome, godly people who are dictating the fashions of society. Just a thought. And if you're not wearing the most fashionable, provocative thing, it doesn't mean you're going to look like a geek, okay? There are plenty of super cute, fashionable things that aren't provocative, right? Okay. But you know, at the core, women want to be beautiful. Women want to be desired, right? But we all need to ask ourselves, is that desire causing us to dress inappropriately, causing us to dress provocatively, to get the attention of men? Are you dressing for man's attention? Dressing skimpy does not make you more beautiful. Okay? Proverbs 11.22 says, A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Ha! Huh. It is not fitting. <laughs> it doesn't fit. It doesn't go together. I know someone who... Um, Whenever her daughter would come downstairs in something she didn't like, she would quote that scripture. Um, I'm not sure if that's quite the best approach, but. <laughs> okay, we need to think about the fact that if you're single, a godly guy is going to be attracted to a girl who values herself and her sexuality enough to protect it rather than flaunt it. So often, young girls are wanting the attention of a guy, so they dress in a way to get the attention of a guy that's really not the kind of guy they want. And then they get into trouble. So we need to stop and think about that. What kind of guy would you attract by the way you dress? Food for thought. And moms, we need to be an example for our daughters and for other young girls. I have heard Christian moms say to their daughters, Honey, if you got it, flaunt it. Mm. That is not valuing and protecting our sexuality. That's not teaching them to do that. Our example and our words can help set them up for healthy relationships or set them up for heartache. Okay? Is there anyone in here who wants to be an example and a role model for other girls, other young women? None of you do? <laughs> Maybe we should pack up and go home. Okay. 
Do any of you want to be an example and a role model for other young women? All right. That's more like it. <laughs> Youth girls, do you want to be an example and a role model for girls even younger than you? Yes? Awesome. Young adults, you want to be a role model and an example for youth girls coming up under you? Yes. Here's just some food for thought. If you want to be an example and a role model for girls that are young, that are still living at home with their parents, ask yourself if their moms would want their daughters wearing what you're wearing. Because if not, then you've already lost the mom's respect and mom is not going to be thrilled about her daughter hanging around you and being mentored by you because mentoring is far more than the words that we speak into their life. Okay? Just a little word to the wise. So, for all of us, just to think about ourselves and the way we dress and the way we present ourselves. Does the way we dress ever resemble, to any degree, this woman in Proverbs 7? Just something to think about. Okay, we looked at her, what she wears. Now let's look at her words. It says, she enticed him with her speech. She openly talks about giving her body to him. She's promising her sexuality to him through her words. In other places in Proverbs, it talks about the woman who flatters men with her words. Today, what do we call that? Flirting. Right? And so often people think, Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's harmless. It's just talk. I would never act on any of that. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 7, verse 21. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter. Ladies, our words are powerful, and they can get us into situations we don't necessarily want to be in. Now, in this case, I think she wanted to be in that situation, but we cannot think, oh, my words are just meaningless. I don't really mean them. They may be meaningless to you, but they are not meaningless to the person who's hearing them. And we have got to remember that. Okay? And we need to ask ourselves, are our words in any way resembling this woman in Proverbs 7? Do we flirt? Do we flatter? Do we say things that we shouldn't? We need to recognize that. Okay, let's look at her behavior. It says she was bold. She was brash. She threw her arms around him. She kissed him. She was flirtatious, not only with her words, but with her actions. We all know somebody like that, right? Of course, because none of us would ever be that person, right? 
You see, this was a woman who did not guard and protect and value her God-given sexuality. She gave it away freely, even through her words, her actions, and her appearance. Do we ever do any of those things? Even to any degree? Why? Why do women do these things? Most often, it's because we want a guy to make us feel good about ourselves. We think that his attention will make us feel more valuable. Can I just tell you, that is a lie from the enemy. Okay? And this is why it is so vitally important that we find our value in God. And in his love for us and what he says about us, who we are in him. It is so important that we become so secure in that. We've got to know that. Because too often, women who are not secure in their value in God, they end up going from man to man to man to find value. And their life becomes like a roller coaster. They go along and they meet someone and, oh, there's this exciting romance, love story, butterflies, everything that goes along with it, da-da-da-da-da, and then heartache. And then someone else, oh, romantic, exciting butterflies, oh, it's so wonderful, and then heartache. And then it happens over and over and over again, and our life becomes like a roller coaster, when we're looking to get our value from a man. But when our value is secure in God, we will value and protect our sexuality and not give it away easily. You know, there are so many verses in Proverbs warning against the immoral woman. Let's be determined not to be the immoral woman, okay? Now, also, much of Proverbs is Solomon sharing wisdom that was passed on to him by his father, David. So, it's for that reason that he writes advice he received from a man to a man. But the principles apply to both men and women. So, let's also look at this from another angle. As a woman being warned about an immoral man. Okay? So put yourself in the story as the one being flattered and given the attention of a guy. A really good looking guy. Who's telling you how beautiful you are. He doesn't want to be without you. He can't live without you. He treats you so well, and he's so generous, and he says he's a Christian, too. How does his attention and affection affect you? It might make your heart melt. It might give you butterflies. Maybe you just can't stop thinking about him. You just want to be with him, even if it means meeting in secret. And it might make you want to follow him just like the guy 
followed the woman in this story that we originally looked at. But just like that, how will it end? In destruction. The principle is the same either way. And very, very often women say, oh, well, it'll never get that far. It'll never go there. And we sometimes say that because for us, the lure isn't always so much the physical act as it is the romance, the love story, the fairy tale, the wonderful feeling of being wooed and adored by someone who can't live without us. But, ladies, it is a trap of the enemy that none of us are above. We have to recognize that. You see, and once there's an emotional bond with someone, it is very difficult to break that. And it is very rare that a physical bond doesn't follow. So, what do we do? What do we do when we have a strong physical attraction to someone? Because it will happen. You're, you might be sitting there saying, oh, it would never happen to me. It happens to people. I mean, youth girls, it'll happen to you. I have seen, I have seen, romantic stories and people falling in love and attracted to each other in their 80s. So whether you're still one of our youth girls or you're in your 80s, no matter what stage of life you're at, no matter how old you are, it can happen, okay? Whether you're single, whether you're married, it can happen. So what do we do? If we have a strong physical attraction towards someone. Okay, we need to first get some knowledge from God's word. See what his word says. So look at 1 Corinthians 6. We're going to start in verse 18. The first word really just sums it up. Run! (laughs) It says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Wow. For sexual immorality is a sin. Excuse me. Technical difficulty. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? And was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. God bought us with the highest price. He sent his son to die for us. He sent his spirit to live within us. And become his temple and his home. We need to honor God with our bodies. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22 says, again, run. (laughs) Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace 
Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Okay, we need to separate ourselves when there is a situation where we know we're going to be pulled in a direction we should not go. But instead, we need to surround ourselves with godly people, with people that will speak godly wisdom into our lives, that will hold us accountable. Both of these verses tell us to run, <laughs> okay? That is wisdom for our lives. Girls, if you are afraid that a guy will leave you if you don't sleep with him, the absolute best thing you can do is run. <laughs> Refuse to sleep with him because if he really loves you and values you, he won't leave. And if he doesn't, then you want him to leave, right? Yes. <laughs> Maybe you think, well, what if I can't run? What if we go to school together or we work together or we're around each other all the time? You can put safeguards in place. I heard a Christian professor and Bible study teacher sharing this story. She was her story, she was married and she served as the president of her kids' PTA. And as that school year took off and here she is president of the PTA, she quickly recognized that she had a very strong attraction for the school principal. She thought, oh no, this is not good. And so she trying to figure out what to do. She didn't want to embarrass her kids by stepping down. She had just gotten into this place as the president of the PTA, but she knew that boundaries had to be put into place and put into place quick. And so she said she became the queen of delegation. She handed everything off to everybody else that she possibly could. She made sure that she did not have private one-on-one -on -one time with the principal, and she didn't go to things that she absolutely didn't have to be at. And she said that over time, that separation caused the attraction to dissipate. But she knew, going into it, that if it didn't, she would have had to step down, and she was willing to do that. Another friend of mine, pastor's wife, tells a story that when she was young and they were starting out pastoring and she's raising several kids and she's got the little kids at home and on her husband's day off, he would go out golfing and she's at home with the kids again and wasn't too happy about that. And a guy started coming around giving her lots of attention. But she saw it as a red flag, and she put wisdom to work in her life. And she went and she talked to her husband. And she said, this is the situation. This is what's happening. I'm, I'm feeling a little lonely with you gone so much. And here's a guy giving me attention, which, by the way, the enemy 
is really good at sending guys to give you attention when you don't need it. Well, you think you need it, but you don't need it. And she was honest with her husband, and she said, I want to separate from any interaction with this person. I want you to know about it. I want to be open and transparent about my feelings because I want us to be able to talk about this and put safeguards in place to protect our marriage. That was wisdom that she was putting into work. Maybe, maybe you're young. Maybe you're single. Maybe there's a physical attraction that is pulling you in a direction that you don't need to go in. Talk to someone. If you're a young girl, talk to a parent. Tell a parent about it. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell a youth worker about it. Maybe you're a little bit older. Tell a godly friend about it. Pick your friends wisely. Don't look for the friend that's going to say, hey, go for it. He looks great. That's not the friend you want to seek counsel from. Seek counsel from a godly friend who's going to speak wisdom into your life, help you put up safeguards, and help hold you accountable. But talk to someone. Don't go it alone. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In verse 12 it says, If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You see, the one who thinks they won't give in under pressure is fooling themselves. None of us are exempt. But God shows us a way out through his word. He gives us wisdom. But it's up to us to choose to put that wisdom to work in our lives. That's wisdom when we actually walk out what his word says, right? It is so important to put God's wisdom to work in our lives and in the way that we value and protect our sexuality before emotional bonds develop in a relationship. Because our emotions will always try to dominate our choices. It's one thing to have knowledge and understanding of what God's word says about this area of our lives. But wisdom is actually putting it to work. Walking out what he tells us to. Proverbs tells us repeatedly that the fool ignores wisdom. Let's not be women who ignore his wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2 says that wisdom brings discretion to our lives that will preserve us from immorality. If we put wisdom to work in our lives today, it will preserve us. It will guard us. It will protect us from immorality. So single girls, when you value and protect your God-given sexuality... You need to know that it will radically impact your future, and it will be a gift to your future marriage. Married girls, when you value and protect your God-given sexuality, 
refusing to use it to get the attention of any man other than your husband. And when you choose to use it as a gift to your husband, which is what God intended, it will radically impact your marriage. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, yeah, but is it really that big a deal? Everybody has sex these days. First of all, yeah, it is. It really is that big a deal. Romans 12, 2 tells us not to be conformed to this world. Just because they're all doing it doesn't mean we as God's daughters should be. Okay? Let's not be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, letting the word wash our minds and keep us on track with God. And then another reason is in Ephesians chapter 5. And I love this passage of scripture, verses 22 through 33. Compare the marriage relationship to the relationship between Christ and his church. And we're not going to take time tonight to read all of those verses, but I want you to jot them down. And I want to really encourage you this week to read that passage, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, several times. Read it in different translations. Meditate on it. Ask God to bring insight and revelation to your heart. But you see, in this passage, it compares the marriage relationship to the relationship between Christ and his church. We are his church. We are the bride of Christ. And when we enter into a relationship with him, we enter into an amazing covenant with him, an intimate relationship with incredible privileges. The Bible tells us that all that is his is ours. But similarly, the marriage is a sacred covenant of intimacy and privileges not to be shared with anyone else. And it was God's intention that our marriages would reveal to the world around us what it is like to be in relationship with God. Think about that for a minute. Our marriages were intended to show others what it's like to be in a relationship with God. And when we, as daughters of God, have sex outside of marriage, it distorts the world's view of a relationship with God, and it distorts their view of a godly marriage. And in this passage, it tells the husbands to love their wives as Christ loves the church. And then it tells wives to respect their husbands. I want you to think with me for a moment about how the church respects Christ. Believers, us, we are the church. How do we respect Christ? Do we respect our husbands in the same way? Do we speak to our husbands with the same respect we would speak to Christ himself? Do we honor our husbands the way we would honor Christ? Are we willing to serve our husbands? 
as we would Jesus. This passage also tells us that in marriage, two people become one flesh. You see, when we get married, we don't just live our own life anymore. It's not like two individual lives living in the same house, sharing the same bed. We become one flesh. We're no longer two lives, we're one. That means we don't just live our own life anymore. We have to learn together how to navigate that new life where we're now one. And that requires some communication. And that requires talking about everything. Talking about how we're spending our money. Talking about how we're spending our time. Talking about how we're disciplining kids. If we're going to be one, one flesh, then we need to be able to mesh into one. And sometimes that means making some sacrifices, serving, giving up our ideas for someone else's, preferring someone else. But you know, too many women want to wait until their husbands love them as Christ loves the church before they start respecting them. Well, when he starts loving me as Christ loves the church, then I'll respect him. Ladies, our job is simply to obey what God has asked us to do, and that is to respect. When we get our eyes off of their part and work on our part, work on walking out God's wisdom for our part, what he's asked us to do, it can change absolutely everything. Not overnight, usually. Day after day, we continue doing our part, respecting them. And then you'll be amazed what will happen in your marriage. You know, we started out this series last month with Proverbs 14.1. A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. And we saw that it takes absolutely no effort to tear down, to bring destruction to our lives. No effort at all. That simply happens by ignoring wisdom. But it's the wise woman who builds. And it takes effort to build. Sometimes it might seem hard. But when we are weak, God is strong. His strength is perfected in our weakness. The Bible tells us we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We love to use that verse for things that we want to do. But we need to start using that verse for things that God wants us to do. Okay? I want to pray for you tonight. And, you know, maybe you're here and maybe you need to make some adjustments in your relationships. Maybe there's some of you and you're in a relationship you know you have no business being in. Don't wait any longer. The longer you wait, 
the harder it's going to be to break off a relationship with someone that you're not married to, that you're getting an emotional attachment to. If you know that that's, that is a relationship that God's been dealing with you about, don't wait. Maybe you're feeling this strong physical attraction towards someone, and you can see that it could go that direction, but you haven't really wanted to admit it. It's time to admit it. Get it out in the open. Tell someone. Set some boundaries. Set up some safeguards. Get yourself in a place of safety so you don't go down a road you don't need to go down. Maybe in your marriage. Maybe there's some adjustments you need to make. Maybe you haven't really been respecting your husband the way you know you need to, the way you know you can. Be willing to make that adjustment. Don't wait for him to change first. When one person changes, everything can change. I don't need to know who you are if you feel like you've got a change you need to make in a relationship or a potential relationship. You know who you are. And God knows who you are. But I want to pray. And if that's you, I want to ask you to just Lay it out before him. Open your heart to him. Get honest with yourself and with him. Give it to him and ask him for his help to help you move forward into all that he has for you. All right? Father God, we just come before you right now. And Father, I just thank you for these beautiful and amazing women here tonight. They're your daughters and you love them so much. And Father, God, I just thank you that you have created us so beautifully and uniquely. And our sexuality is a gift from you. God, help us to recognize that. And help us to Guard and protect that as something precious given to us by you for purpose in marriage. And Father, I just pray for women in this place tonight who need to make some adjustments in some relationships. God, I pray that you would give them the strength and the courage that they need to make those changes, God. Father, I pray that you would help them to become honest with themselves, honest with you, and honest with others. Father, I pray that they won't continue in denial if they are. God, that they won't think, oh, I'm not going to give in and try to do it all on their own. God, I am asking right now, as they just open those things up to you, God, that you would speak to them clearly, you would show them what they need to do, and you would give them courage and boldness like they've never had before, that there would be a holy determination that would rise up on the inside of them right now, and they would say, no more, I am not going to settle for anything less 
than your best for my life and my future, God. Father, I pray that women would have a determination to protect and guard their marriages and fight for their marriages, God. I pray that they would protect and guard their sexuality and keep that pure and as a special gift for a future husband if they're not married, God. Father, I pray that we would all have a fresh revelation of the amazing and beautiful gift that you have given us. And God, that we would have the perspective that it is for your purposes. And we will protect and guard our sexuality in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And ladies, while your heads are still bowed, maybe you're in this place today and maybe you never even stopped to think about the fact that God uniquely and beautifully created you for his purposes. He did. He loves you. He's your creator and he longs to live in relationship with you every day. And the Bible tells us that all we have to do is invite him in to be the Lord of our lives, to surrender our lives to him. Stop trying to do it all on our own and just surrender to him and start living life with him. And if you're here today and you say, I'm done trying to do it all on my own. God, I need you. I want you and I surrender to you. I want to pray with you if that's you. And we're all going to pray together just in surrender to God. But if that's you and you've never surrendered your life to God, or maybe you want to just surrender your life afresh and anew tonight, would you just wrap your heart around these words as we all pray this together? Ladies, just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're my Father, that you love me, that you handcrafted me, that you created me for your purposes. And right now, I surrender my life to you. And I ask you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. And I choose to live in relationship with you from this day forward. Help me to grow in your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Ladies, can we welcome new sisters into God's family tonight? If you made that decision tonight to surrender your life to God, we just have a little gift we'd like to give you. It's just a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. The table host at each table would have that. If you just let them know you made that decision, they would love to give that to you before you go tonight, okay? And in our remaining time, what I want you to do is just maybe go around at your table, introduce yourself if you haven't already met each other, and just simply share one thing. You don't have to get deep and personal, and we don't have time to get so drawn out as, as not these women could do, but other women, you know, could possibly do. Um, <laughs> but just quickly, share one thing that God spoke to you tonight before you leave, okay? Love you, ladies, so much. Oh, and I almost forgot. Next Tuesday at Bridge Women, for those of you who are able to make it next Tuesday, we have a special guest coming, Pastor Joyce Villalobos. She and her husband, Tom, pastor a church in Yukaipa, 
Calamesa on the border there, Oak Valley Church, and she went to India with me two years ago, and our topic next week is working wisdom into the next generation, and she shared a message in India on that topic that was so awesome, and so I asked her if she would come and share with us next Tuesday, and so if you're available on Tuesday, you don't want to miss it. Be sure to join us, and if you're not, be sure you to catch out the podcast. All right? Love you, girls.